From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. So, this morning, we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and if you were here last week, and you were with us, oh, forget, before I forget, time out, push pause, come back. Small group Sunday, today, going on in the office. If you're here and you want to get connected to a group, and maybe you're like, hey, the group stopped at Christmas time, and I want to get back involved in another group, but I don't know which group. Um, the group leaders will be down. They all have tables set up, kind of like a, a free marketplace for them to share with you what's going on in their group and invite you into theirs. I'd love it this morning when we get done, if you head down there and just stop in and, and find out some information, and then get into a group and enjoy it. All right, you ready? Are you ready? Ready. I'm gonna have to take a sweater off because I'm sweating already. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's go. We looked at last week, we've been looking at this thing that Paul calls the unique abilities or the gifts of the Spirit. And so we've been studying this for the last uh, few months and looking at the different gifts that that are given to the, really it says to the church in a lot of your Bibles, but the word is pos in the Greek, which means that that these gifts are given uh, to us for the benefit of everyone around us. So they're given to the, the children of God for the benefit of the world around them. How many remember what we looked at last week? Anybody? You, healing, hear it, good, love it. It was great. First gathering, I asked that, and they actually gave me the wrong answer. And I'm like, were you here? Or was I that unclear? Um, So yeah, we looked at healing. We looked at this verse where Paul says in chapter 12, to some, he's given the ability to heal the sick. And so we looked at this, and we kind of looked at it conceptually as a what. Like, what is healing? And the three things we identified that healing is, is number one, it's God's idea. That it's God that releases the gift of healing. And that tells us that it's his idea. It's something he wants released on the earth. The second thing we looked at with healing was that if we study the life of Jesus, healing was central to who he was. Healing was an absolutely central part of his ministry. And if we're going to be followers of Christ, it should probably somehow go in one, in one side and at least hang out in there for a minute. Maybe my life should look like Jesus. Which brought us to the the final idea, which is in Mark 16, where it says, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And we looked at that, that what healing is, is something that is intended to be released through the children of God on the earth. And so, we sat down as a teaching team this week to kind of process through the healing teaching and the next one's coming up, which is prophecy and, and the ability to discern spirits and and we just felt like, you know what, we, we probably need to give them a little bit more time to healing because there's the what question, what is healing, but there's another couple questions that need to be answered. Why and how? Why should every believer move in healing? Now I'm going to tell you, I think last week what we determined was every believer should move in healing because it's intended to be released through believers. These signs will follow them that believe. But why and how? So the first question for me, why should every believer learn to move in healing? How many could tell me right now, and you may get this and it might make this teaching really easy. What is the point of healing? More, more clarity, louder voices, one at a time. Bring restoration. Glorify God. Love it. She's teacher's pet. She gets surprised. On earth as it is in heaven. Right. 
The purpose of healing, Jesus will, will show it to us in, in Luke, in, is it, we're in Mark 16 here. I think, I don't think that's where I want to be. I want to be in John 9. John 9, there's a guy born blind. How many remember this story? They co- Jesus comes to him and heals him. And what do the disciples ask Jesus? Who sinned? His father and mother or him? Because they were accustomed to a belief set that would say to them that sickness was the evidence of sin. And it was, it was a byproduct of sin. And so when they encountered somebody that was sick, they must have done something wrong. And Jesus will say to them this phrase, it was not because of his sin or his parents' sin. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And what Jesus reveals in this moment is that healing, the intention of healing is to bring glory to God. So every time we move and flow, we ask the question, why should every believer move in healing? Because the expression of healing in our day and in our time draws people's attention to God. It brings him glory. It gets their eyes on him. How many can imagine if you're in King Supers, you're walking down the coffee aisle, there's a, there's a person who's in a wheelchair, it's very obvious that they can't use their legs, and then you just get that God inclination, you're supposed to pray for them. And you pray for them, and they jump out of their wheelchair, and they start running around the store screaming, I can't believe it, I can walk. How many think there'd be a bunch of people in that store right now going, okay, I got to know about this Jesus thing? You see, that was the point. That's how Jesus used healing. That's the why. It brings glory to God. The second aspect of it is that we would read Mark 16, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I think a lot of us would hear that when we read it as, yeah, that's, that's kind of the opportunity of believers. We get to walk in that. I would love to reframe that conversation and tell you that I actually believe moving and healing is the expectation from heaven of every believer. You see, Jesus will say it this way, these signs, and this word signs here is a unique word. It, it literally means an indicator. It's the same idea as when they would go to battle and somebody would would sound a horn or sound an alarm and let them know it was time. Jesus is saying that these indicators are going to follow. That word follow here in the Greek literally means to accompany. It's to be part of their group. So healing is going to be a part of every believer's life. I think we would do well to understand it this way. Jesus is literally saying healing is going to go where they go. And if we're honest, in our culture, healing has kind of been extricated to this idea that deals with charismatic culture. Yeah, those charismatics, they believe you can heal. I'm just saying, if we're following Jesus and we remove any denominational nomenclature, we take out of this thing anything about what church stream are you from, and we just ask, how did Jesus live? Jesus lived in a way that makes healing a natural part of every believer's life, and it's his expectation. The way I wrote it in my notes is, my king expects me to move in healing. Do you feel it? Like there's a different, there's a different, different ownership, and maybe some of you are like me, and, and there's the tendency is, I don't really want to be that kooky person praying for people in public. Do we believe that the world needs Jesus or not? 
And one of the things that Jesus gave us, it's not the only thing, but one of the things that Jesus gave us to use, and one of the things that Jesus used the most was the release of sign, the release of wonder. So we asked the question, why? And now I want to deal with the question, how? But I want to push pause on it for a second and just ask you a question that might seem funny. How many think Jesus was an emotionally and spiritually healthy person? This is an easy answer. Yes, everybody. <laughs> and for those of you who didn't raise your hand, let me ask you a question. Do you think he was dysfunctional? Do you think he had closet addictions we don't know about? Did he need to go to anger management school? Was he into pornography? You're like, I can't believe you're asking. This is awful. Why was he not? Why, do, why are we so convinced that he didn't have closet dysfunction? Anybody? He's perfect. Sinless. That's what the scriptures say. That even though he was man, he walked without sin. That is why he is able to be the stand-in that cleanses us. Okay. Next question. If Jesus walks in emotional health, spiritual health, because of no sin, can we not from that conclude that dysfunction emotionally and spiritually from us comes from our brokenness or it's the byproduct of sin patterns? Does that seem like a fair logical answer? Okay. Can I just suggest something? It's hypocritical to move into the release of healing on the earth without allowing the Lord to lead us into personal healing. It means when we have dysfunctions in us and we know they're there, guys, I love you, I'm one of you, but I'm talking to us. We are so hardwired to cover up and pretend stuff doesn't exist, and I'm just saying this. There's an invitation from heaven to every child, man and woman. Come to me, let me heal you, let me walk you through process. And we need to appropriate that. Because for us to release healing on the earth because God wants to heal people but not get healed ourselves, not walk in healing ourselves, what it really says is I don't think I matter enough to my Father for Him to heal me up. Confess your faults one to another and be healed. How many are familiar with that scripture? Paul will teach it in Corinthians. Could I suggest to you that we might, there might be an extrapolation of that we need to consider? If I confess my faults, we would always read that when I hear it. Um, I, it's the things I did wrong. What if it's the things that are broken in me? Now, we just identified that our brokenness comes from sin issues. So if I sit with someone and I share with them the things I'm wrestling with, my difficulties, and I say to them, this is what I'm going on with, do we not understand, confess your faults one another and be healed? What it says is there's a supernatural grace that's released when I open and I unveil myself and I expose what's going on. I sit with someone I trust and I let God enter into that situation, there's a supernatural authority for healing. I'd say it this way, emotional and spiritual health is easy. It requires being vulnerable and honest and probably sitting down with somebody who can help you. Counselors, therapists, people that love Jesus and know the scriptures and are willing to walk with you in that journey, I think is part of moving into healing. I think it's actually a holistic worldview to say, I am going to be one that releases healing because I know he told me to. I'm also going to be one that participates in healing because I know he wants me healthy. So how? How should every believer learn to move in healing? I think the first answer is really obvious. We should move into healing the way Jesus did. Doesn't that seem like a good answer? We should do it the way Jesus did it. 
So if we're going to do it the way Jesus did it, let's look at, at Matthew 9, 18 through 35. We're going to look at a few little vignettes, and we're going to ask the question, is there any consistent pattern we see come up with these movements of Jesus? So the first one is a, a leader of the synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. Let's go back to our King Super story for a second. Can you imagine being on the coffee aisle and you're trying to figure out, do I buy pizza or do I buy the cheap stuff? I don't know. What am I going to buy? And somebody comes up and taps you on the shoulder and says, my daughter or my son is sick and I know you can heal them. Or can you imagine being in a situation where uh, you're watching and a a mother has a bunch of little kids and one of them, like they want to do, breaks away and runs around a corner and smashes into a cart, bloodies up their face, knocks them out, and the mom screams, is there a Christian here anywhere? See, because that's what was going on here. There was an awareness of the authority and the power that he could move in that was so strong that the world was drawing on it. He says, if you just come lay your hand on her, she'll be healed. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. And when Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. So they had already decided she was dead and they'd moved into the mourning process. And I love it. I love how tender and how merciful he is. He just walks in the door and says, get out! The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside... Not sure how that happened. I wonder if this is a moment where he let the disciples flex a little authority. Be like, yeah, throw these bums out. Let's go. You never know. And when he saw her, he said, daughter. Sorry. Um, after the crowd was put outside, Jesus went in, took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. What happened here? What did we see Jesus do? Three things. He took authority over what was fighting disbelief. She's not dead. He declared healing. She's only sleeping. And then he touches her. Next story, a woman who'd suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him and she touched the fringe of his robe for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Jesus turned around when he he saw her. He said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. The woman was healed at that moment. So he's in a crowd, he's, there's people pressing around him and they wear these long tunics and so it would be akin maybe to a dress in our culture. So the likelihood of him knowing somebody touched him is, is very small. But in her mind, she had already decided, I know God heals, I know God will heal me, I know this one walking around carries that healing. If I can just touch him, I'll get healed. So Jesus, because he's in tune with his spirit, which is a key for us, being living in the prophetic, living in the spirit of God, understanding when the Holy Spirit's whisper and stuff, he feels it. He feels power leave him, and he turns around. But I love this. She didn't get healed because she touched his robe. She got healed because he spoke. Because the scripture says this. Don't be, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And she was healed at that moment. So his pattern here is he speaks to her situation. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, and they're shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him. We do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. And their eyes were opened, and they could see And Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. So what's his pattern here? Again, 
we see him speak to the issue of disbelief, and we see him speak to the sickness. He touches them. His hands go on them. Remember, we're asking the question, how did Jesus release healing? Last story. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So he's, he's so possessed that he's, he's, he's bound up and he's mute. So Jesus cast out the demon, and then the man began to speak, and the crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has happened in Israel, they exclaimed. So what did he do there? Discerns the problem, which is demonic influence, and he spoke to the situation. So there is a pattern that develops here. If we ask the question, how did Jesus release healing on the earth? And I will tell you, fundamentally, if in your mind right now you're like, yeah, but it's Jesus He did not function or do anything on earth that he has not released us to do. In fact, there's a different statement that Jesus will make. He says to the disciples and all those who would come after them, them, greater works than me will you do. He set the standard as my life is the baseline, not the top line. So what did he do? What's his pattern? There's two things that come out of this that are consistent all the way through. He releases healing through the spoken word, and he releases healing through physical touch. Now, that seems somewhat consistent with what he says we're supposed to do. These signs will follow them that believe. They will physically touch, lay hands, literally means to put your hand on and transfer something. They'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And so that becomes a pattern for us that it's just really simple. Okay, so I release healing with the spoken word and physical touch. But I want to ask a different question because I think it might be more important in this moment. What didn't he do? What was not his pattern that is common in our culture? And there's, there's a couple things I see. I'm warning you. This one might cause problems. So bear with me. I just, you're forewarned. He never asked the Father to heal a person. Not one time. Not one time did he stand there and say, Father, would you please? Instead, what he did was he released healing. If you're like me, that's the most convicting thing I've said. For me, that's that's been killing me because most of my life, I'll stand in front of somebody and be like, all right, Lord, I'm just asking, would you heal this? Why is that a problem? Why is it important that Jesus didn't do that? How many would say, academically, I know that he's already released the authority to me to heal? These signs will follow them that believe. So it's either one of two things. Either I'm not a believer or he hasn't given me the authority. One of the two. But if I'm a believer, I have to to agree that he said, I've released authority to you to heal. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Does he say anywhere in Mark 16, these signs will follow a few of the special believers? These signs will follow a few of those that try a little harder than everybody else. These signs will follow the ones that are my favorites. These signs will follow the crazies. No, he just says these signs will follow those that believe. The word belief here is to adhere to, to grab onto and say, he's my everything. Okay, I think most of us categorically fit there. In my opinion, to stand 
From what I can tell, there's a reason Jesus doesn't do it. Because to stand in front of a person and ask God to do something that he's already said he wants to do and he's given to us to do puts his question in character and it puts my value to him in character. Because there's one of two things that has to drive it. Either I don't think he's really wanting to heal everyone, so I'm asking him right now, once again, decide whether you want to heal this person. And he's already said, what did Jesus say of the 72 he sent out? Go and heal the sick, and when you heal them, just let them know, guess what, the kingdom of God's around you. When he says to the disciples, these signs will follow them that believe, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What he's saying is, it's my expectation that you live this way. But you see, some of us, we doubt our own authority and we, we doubt our own worth so much that we can't imagine that he would actually give us something that precious and say, it's in your hands to release. The second part that Jesus didn't do is one I really want to highlight. He never made a show. There was no fanfare. There was no strangeness. There's no desire in him to be seen. You know that moment where he says to them, don't tell anybody. You know what I see there? As I see him saying to them, I want you to understand, nobody else needs to know about this but you. You matter enough to God, he did this for you. And I love that Jesus isn't looking for attention. He we live in a culture where there's a little sensationalism that surrounds sometimes the gifts of the Spirit. And could I just suggest to us that Jesus should be our model and we should just enjoy this nonchalant, like, yeah, I know God's given me the ability to heal, so I'm going to come upon sickness and I'm just going to say, you know, it'd be healed in the name of Jesus. No show, no fanfare, no strangeness. Why? Because fanfare and strangeness and show draw attention to me. And last time I checked, our job was to draw attention to him. Last time I checked, the gifts of the Spirit were released to draw people's attention to him. So the more invisible I can stay in the matter, the easier it is for glory to go to him. I'm talking about methodology. If I could say it this bluntly, I don't think we're supposed to be weird. I think we're supposed to be powerful. We're supposed to move in authority. And we're just supposed to be really normal people. So we, we learn to move the way Jesus did. And the second thing I want, us, I want to close with this. We follow his example in how to release healing, but we need to follow the early church. And they did something that was very unique. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 30, it says that the early church is facing a situation in the culture. This isn't the narrative. This is me explaining the narrative. They're facing a moment in culture where they need God to show up because they're being challenged on every side. And so they go to the Lord. They get together as a family to pray. And here's what they pray. Send your healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done in our city, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And the early church models for us something that's very important in moving into this life of healing. The discipline to cry out for a release of the supernatural in our day and in our time. And what we have right there is fundamental biblical proof that it's right and legal for us to gather together for the purpose of crying out for the Lord to release power in our day and in our time. 
How many would say, you know what, I do think a release of heaven, like when heaven invades earth, that's going to change people's lives. Could I suggest to us that we need to come together as family regularly to pray for that? Tonight's a great chance to do that. This is, I, I promise you, there is no connection in my brain to, oh, we have gathering tonight, let's t- teach on this. It's just a happy accident. But maybe you're like me, and there's places in your life where you know people that need God, and you know that it would be pretty amazing to be able to walk into a situation and see heaven displayed to where you didn't have to try to academically reason them into the kingdom, where they were just front and center, face-to-face with power that was beyond them, so they would yield their heart and go, okay, I give. Anybody know somebody like that? Yeah, me too. Let's stand this morning. Apologize, I went a little longer. I'm enjoying the fact that this is the last week that I can. Um, I love what the Lord's doing here. Love what's going on in our gatherings. Love what's going on in our city. I do believe that God is reviving something and he's releasing something in our day and time. Join us. Come together tonight. Join us for an hour. Pray. Come together to worship. We'll cry out. Here's what we're crying out for. This. God, release heaven in our day and in our time. Let this region become known for a move of God. Father, we stand before you this morning. We're humbled by your scripture. We're challenged. Jesus, I don't want any shame in this. I don't want any fear in this. I just want us to be, be coached by your word. Lord, would you, would you begin to show us, Holy Spirit, what it looks like to release healing over people, not asking for you to do something you've already said you want to do. Lord, I understand that that causes a little bit of tension and fear to rise up in us, but... Uh, Lord, it's a great place to live where we are dependent on you to move. Otherwise, we look foolish. And so I know that you're leading us into that place as a people. And we just say, yes, Lord. We're banking on you to coach us and teach us and train us. We love you and we honor you. May your face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Small group. Sunday's going on down in the office. Five o'clock tonight. Love you. See ya. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.